Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today, I want to share with you one of the lessons I believe that I'm learning through quarantine, something that God has kind of just put on my heart and he's opening my eyes to it. And not only have I learned it, but as your pastor, I'm praying and hoping that you will relate to this, that you're learning this lesson as well. And the other thing is, I don't want us just to go, oh, that's a nice lesson and move on. I want it to change who we are from here on out. The lesson that I'm learning is that we're missing community, that we desperately want community, that we maybe have taken for granted the community that God has blessed us with. And one of the reasons why we're so frustrated and why we struggle in this quarantine is, is because of this, because we're missing community. If you don't believe me, all I have to say is just one word, Zoom. Zoom is interesting because this was used on average about 10 million times a month. They had about 10 million meetings every month leading up to March. And then when April hit after quarantine, uh, they went from 10 million meetings a month to over 300 million meetings a month. You and I were a part of that. I know as a staff, as a family, we've been meeting on Zoom. Many of our conversations have had to be taken, uh, had to take place on Zoom because we can't gather. And so you guys have been doing this for work. And maybe you're like us, you, you called your family on Zoom just to check in with everybody because you can't, can't go meet with them right now. And so we are just uh, honestly just sick and tired of Zoom. And there's nothing against Zoom. It's just I'm ready for some face-to-face. I'm ready for community. I want to I wanna gather with some other people. And the reason I think Zoom is so hard on us, and, and one of the reasons why we're starting to realize how much we need community uh, is because of the lack of body language. Like usually when you're sitting and talking to somebody or standing and talking to someone, there are so many nonverbal cues that can be picked up on that we cannot pick up on on Zoom. We can't see their body language. We can't see how, how they're responding to what we're saying or, or the conversation, whether they're engaged or not. Part of that is just eye contact. And, and on Zoom, because the camera's at the top of the computer screen and you're looking at the computer screen, you're looking below where the camera's at, we don't even make eye contact on Zoom. And that's causing a lot of frustration. Even though we might not realize it, we're frustrated because we're not looking them right in the eye. Another reason why we're struggling with this is because of something they call synchrony. Synchrony is when your body language actually syncs up with the people that you're talking to. If you ever watch a group of people standing in a circle talking, many times you'll notice that they'll start to mimic each other's body movements, whether it's crossing of their arms or their legs or how, you know, how they're standing or whatever it might be. They, they start to mimic one another. Why? Because they're connecting on a personal level. We sync with one another when we're connecting. And we need um, to, to connect with each other. And Zoom makes it very difficult to do that. This isn't like being face-to-face. And many times, if we're honest, we're not even looking at the rest of the people in the meeting on Zoom, are we? 
Like we're actually looking at ourselves. The number of times I've checked my hair on Zoom is, is unbelievable. And the number of times I, I've checked the background and make sure that the background is right so that the people are, are getting a good impression of me, you know. And, and if we're honest, isn't that what we're doing? I mean, most of the time on Zoom, we're more paying attention to our own room and our own looks than anybody else's. And some of you, I know you found the preferences setting and you've got it set up to where you look like a dream, right? It's covering up all your flaws and making you look a little fuzzy. Like it's, it's this uh, dream that somebody's having. We are so not connecting on Zoom. Why? Because we, we need face-to-face. We're missing community. We need to see each other in person. We need a digital detox And we want to gather because we love our community. We really do. And we're missing it. I've learned over the last several weeks and since this quarantine started, we've been delivering anywhere from 20 to 30 large boxes of food to different houses, to different people this entire time. So in in 19 weeks, we've been delivering all this food. And so most of the time we have a bunch of people meeting here on Saturday and we'll grab the food and we'll run it to different uh, people's homes. You know what I've noticed over the last several weeks? First few weeks, people would receive the food and they'd say, oh, thank you so much. Can't, you know, can't thank you enough. We really appreciate it. The last several weeks when I deliver food, I'm usually there for 30 minutes, an hour, maybe two hours. Not because of the food, but because we want to talk, because we need conversation. We are starving for connection. We are missing community. I've realized as I've sat and talked to many of these people, and many of them don't even come to the church, that maybe I, I've taken for granted what I have here at Mountain View Fellowship. Maybe I've taken for granted the connection and the community that we share in this place. Uh, uh, the, sh- the community that I have in life groups, uh, the community that I have during our worship nights or our prayer nights. Uh, anytime our body gets together, we have such an amazing, special connection. Guys, I think we're taking it for granted. I'm starting to realize there are a lot of people outside of these walls that don't have the same type of community that you and I have here at Mountain View Fellowship. And because God has blessed us with this, can I just be honest with you? We are obligated to share that community with those people who don't have it. This is what we're called to do. We have been reminded in the middle of this quarantine how great of a community we have here and how important human connection is and that everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody's not able to enjoy the same kind of connection that you and I have here at MVF and they need it. This is a basic human need and many people are missing out on connection, on community and we have it. We we have a community here that thrives because we have each other. This is a need that I believe that you and I could meet for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our classmates, if we were willing to go outside of our comfort zone. Our neighbors, our coworkers, they may not know God, but they are God's children and he loves them. It says in Genesis that they were created in God's image, imago Dei, and because of that, God loves them and he created them just like you and me for community. And when we don't have it, we know that something's lacking, that something is missing. For those of you that that know God, those of you that love this church and this church community, we have an opportunity like never before to reach out into our communities and share what we have here with them. 
we have a golden opportunity to reach our neighbors and our coworkers with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring them into this, this Jesus community that you and I share with one another. I want to teach you a new word today. It's glocalization. It's definitely a word. It's not something I made up. It is a real word, okay? And I think the meaning of this word actually plays out in what we're talking about today. Glocalization actually means big things happen in small spaces. Like we sometimes get the idea that, uh, you know, the big things happen in front of the largest number of people or on the biggest platforms. But in reality, it all the big stuff actually happens on the smaller stages. If you think about it, our education system, we think that, you know, Colorado Department of Education is the one that dictates everything. And that's where all the big decisions are made. But can I just share with you that I believe that the biggest things happen in the classroom with the teacher and the student. That's where lives are changed glocalization. Big things happen in small spaces. Even in business, if you think about it, you know, large businesses, they can sell their their mission to their entire workforce, but if the workforce isn't doing it in those small spaces, it's not going to happen. Home Depot years ago realized they had a big problem when people were walking into their stores and they couldn't get anyone to assist them and they began to make some changes because even though that was a, a goal there for them corporately, their employees weren't actually exercising it. Also, if you think about the economy, the economy is not driven by Wall Street. It's driven by Main Street. That's why this whole thing has been so harmful to our our economy because it's the small businesses that are suffering. Think about uh, morality. Morality, it's not driven by the White House. It's driven by your house and by my house. That's where the tone is set. That's where the, the tough lessons are taught. The same thing could be said for the church. So often we think that what the church does happens on a Sunday morning. It's the most important part. It's where we all gather, we worship, we learn, and that's where church happens. But in reality, big things happen in small spaces. It's not what happens on this stage on a Sunday morning. It's what happens between you and the people in this congregation when you meet one-on-one. It's, it's in those relationships that big things happen. Big things happen in small spaces. We even did a series here recently called Own It. And we told you that the church can sell a vision and everything else, but it's not until each of us as individuals own it that that mission begins to move forward. It's glocalization, big things happening in small spaces. Of all these organizations that we've been talking about, whether it's the economy or education or business, I have to tell you that I believe the church, more than any other organization, is poised to change the world through glocalization. We are set up for it. We are already God's church in many places scattered and doing his work. So today, I want to share with you four passages that I think apply to what we're discussing. Four passages that will challenge us right here, right now, in what we're doing in the moment that we're in. This quarantine, this not being able to see each other face to face, and really, really desiring to have community with one another. The first passage comes out of John chapter 2, and it's, it's this passage where Jesus is going in and he's clearing the temple. He's tipping things over. And in the middle of all this, some religious leaders come to him and they ask him, what gives you the right to do this? And in John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And of course, John writes this Several decades later, and he is looking back on this story, and in hindsight, he says this in verse 21. 
But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. Now in Judaism, the temple was key. It was the center of everything. It was a big, big deal. If you wanted to meet God, you had to go to the temple. If you wanted to make a sacrifice, you had to go to the temple. If you wanted to be forgiven of your sins, you had to go to the temple. The temple was where everything happened. But Jesus said, if you want to meet God, you have to go through me. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, uh, you, you want to make a sacrifice? Guess what? I'll be your sacrifice. You want to be forgiven of your sins? Come to me, and through my sacrifice, I can forgive you of your sins. What an extraordinary statement. Jesus is now becoming the temple for us. We don't need the temple in Jerusalem anymore. It's him. And we find this out in 70 AD when the Romans come in and they ransack Jerusalem. They tear down the temple. I mean, demolish it. And after that, those who were in traditional Judaism, they had to rewrite their entire religious structure, their entire system, because it all centered around the temple. It destroyed their religion. And even today, you'll find Jews standing outside of what used to be the the temple praying. But if you look at those early Christians, this didn't change anything for them. They continued to grow. They continued to spread the news about Jesus Christ. Why? Because it wasn't based on the temple. It was based on Jesus. It wasn't based on a building. It was based on a person. The second passage I want to share with you comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I know many of you have heard your body is God's temple and Honestly, that's not exactly true. See, you do have the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the amazing thing about the sacrifice that Jesus made. Not only can we be made right with God and and find a right relationship with him and be forgiven of our sins, but in that moment, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can be filled with the Spirit of God. You as an individual are not the temple. You as an individual are actually a brick in the temple wall. See, what we're told here is together you are the temple of God. So together we make up the temple. Every one of us together. When we come together and we gather, especially in this place, and we worship God, when we gather together on Zoom, when we gather together in life groups or or maybe during the worship night or a prayer night or in our home church, guess what? We bring all the gifts of the Spirit together. We bring the fruits of the Spirit together. And in that moment, the fullness of the Spirit is manifested within us. We are the temple that is sacred. It's amazing when you think about how God has set it up to where his spirit dwells within us and it says where two or more gathered that he is in our presence. We become the temple in in that moment. When we gather and when we worship, especially with this sacred connection that each of us has with this God who loves us and saved us, it is powerful. There's nothing else like it on the face of this earth. God is enthroned on the praises of his people when they gather together. It's one of the reasons why we want to come back together. We want to gather back together, but we just can't right now. It's amazing what happens when spirit-filled people gather together and worship Jesus Christ together. That can happen in a building, or it can happen with two people hiding in an attic in China. See, I can't help but think of 
all the different times throughout history where the church has not been able to gather, to gather, but yet they still worship God together. And it doesn't matter where they're at, God is in their presence. During this COVID crisis, I, I know some of you, you're struggling because you're saying things like, I can't go to church. I, I just can't go to church. I want you to know that the truth is you never could go to church. Now you can gather as the church or you can go be the church, but you can never go to church. Why? Because you are the church. When we experience God at MVF, it's not because this place is holy. Not at all. MVF doesn't make you holy. You, when you gather together with other people in this place, you make this place holy. Your presence brings the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're not holy, but the spirit that dwells within us is holy. And wherever we go, the presence of God goes with us. Whether it's at home, whether it's to the grocery store or the hardware store or, or work or here, it doesn't matter. Wherever we go, we take the presence of God with us. And this doesn't just happen on a corporate level. See, I, I believe that we have an opportunity right now, like never before, to take God into our communities. What would happen if every one of us, as spirit-filled believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, decided to take God with us and go to our neighbor's home? Go meet with our coworkers. Go have lunch with a good friend who doesn't know Christ. What would happen in this moment? What if we focused on that, on taking God into those places? What would happen is I believe that heaven would come to earth, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, for many of us, I, I think we have, been distracted from this calling that God has given us. We've, we've lost our way. We've lost our mind over what's going on in, in our culture today. And I know you've, you've had the same discussions I've had. I've had so many discussions with different people. And, and trust me, everyone's an expert, whether it's medical or environmental or governmental, or everyone's an expert. I get all that. And, and, and you know what? Everyone's right in their stance or their opinion. I know. I, I, trust me, I know. But here's the problem just because you're right doesn't make you righteous. And I think we have been, been tricked into having cultural conversations when we should be having spiritual or Christ conversations. We need to get off of the cultural issues and focus on the mission that God has for us. Even in the midst of all of this, even in the midst of quarantine and, and whether you agree with it or not, mask or no mask, we need to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Remember, big things happen in small places. Every cultural problem that you and I are dealing with right now, the only way it's gonna be solved is through a relationship with Jesus Christ and going to the people around us and loving them the way Christ loves us. That's it. Outside of that, we're not gonna fix any of these problems. So can I challenge you and, and just please, just plead with you. Would you please let Christ dominate your conversations? Make Christ the focal point of everything that you do and say Christ needs to be the focus of all of this. If, if you're upset, if you're frustrated, if you're worried, if you're, if you're weary, it might be because you're focusing on the wrong things. When I take my eyes off of what's eternal and I focus on what's temporal, I become weary. I become frustrated. I become worn down. And until we learn that Christ has to be the center of everything that we do and say, we're gonna struggle because we're gonna wanna be right in everything. And don't get me wrong. It's your right to express your rights. It's your right to express your opinions. I get it. It's a free country. 
but what I'm concerned about is you being right may lead to a lot of wrongs. And I don't want us to give up something that's eternal for what's temporal. I don't want us to, because of something that's earthly, to destroy our our eternal witness. I don't want us in this moment of frustration and anger and disagreement to ruin our witness to the world. We need to learn to train our minds and hearts to be stronger than our feelings. In this, we can continue to keep our composure, keep our eyes focused on Jesus and continue to witness to this lost world around us that desperately needs him. See, it's about relationships. Remember, big things happen in small spaces. And during this time, like never before, our neighbors are desperate to connect with us. They're desperate to have conversations with us. And because the spirit is within you, you can introduce them to God through everything that you do and say, especially when you invite them into a circle of friends that that know Christ. Things like coming to your home church. When you invite them into the middle of God's people gathering and and worshiping and praying and fellowshipping, they're going to get to see God like never before. And right now we have a great opportunity to do that. Don't miss this opportunity because you're not the only one that's missing community. Your neighbors and coworkers and classmates are missing community as well. And it's a great opportunity for us to reach them. Another passage that I want to share with you is actually Matthew chapter 9. It talks a lot about farming. It's interesting to me how often Jesus talked about farming. He used farming as an illustration many times to talk about the kingdom of God and and people coming to know him and, and growing in him. Matthew chapter 9 says, He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers where? Into a building, into a worship center, into a, a group that's locked down and no one else can join. Where are we supposed to ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers? It says, into his fields. I hope to change your thinking on this today. Because I believe that many of us, we have this idea that the church is where it all happens. Like the church, this is the place and it's only going to happen here. I want to reset your thinking on that just a little bit because I think we have it wrong. And one of the things I'm learning through this quarantine is it is not about the farmer's house and it's not about the storage shed. It is about the field, about the harvest going out into the field. So the next time you see the church building, here's what I want you to think of. I want you to think of a machine shed. In Iowa, all these farms, they, they have this special shed where you would store all of your tractors and your combines. And it's, it's where they store it to keep it all safe. It's where they, they do preventive maintenance on it. It's where they continue to you know, add more implements. It's where they continue to do any kind of repairs that need to be done. And then what happens is they send them out into the field to do all of the planting and all the harvesting. Anytime you look at our church building from now on, I want you to think about a machine shed. This is not the place where it happens. This is the place where we come to be built up, to be encouraged, to be prepared. See, our job as pastors, the job of the church is to equip the saints for the work that God has for them. So when you come in here, it's this idea of being refreshed, of being repaired, of being equipped, and then being sent out into the field for the harvest. And and it says here, Jesus told us that we should pray for more workers to be sent out to the field. Are we the workers? Are we actually taking part in what God is doing 
out in the fields to bring in a harvest. God wants us to partner with this Holy Spirit in the work that he is already doing in the lives of the people around us. As I said before, our neighbors, they may not know God, but God loves them. And he has sent you and he has sent me to reach them. We can't be so focused on this building. We have to be focused on what's going on in the world around us. How do we bring in a harvest? How are we gonna do this? Well, we've been talking for the last several weeks about the early Acts church. That's why this series is called A2C, because we want to emulate that early Acts church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is what we've been teaching you over the last few weeks. This is how we're going to go out in the field and we're going to reap a harvest. We are going to, we're going to hold meetings at our homes where we're going to invite our friends who believe in Christ and we're going to devote ourselves to the word of God. We're going to devote ourselves to fellowship. And, and as we've said so many times, not just a laugh, but really diving into each other's lives, caring for one another. We're going to share in a meal and we're going to break bread. We're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus had. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. We're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. And in the middle of all this, we're going to invite other people to do it with us. This is how we're going to go out into the field. We're going to reach people who Jesus loved and died for. I hope that you'll take this seriously. I want you to see what happens in this early Acts church, because I believe the same thing could happen today if we devote ourselves to this. It goes on to say, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. This is what we're missing. They gathered in the temple each day. They, they gathered to learn the word, to be, to be equipped, to worship together. And then they would go out into the field. This is what we're missing. And we're going to get back to this someday. We just can't do it right now, but we will someday. Uh, there's going to be a day coming when we're going to gather back in this place. We're going to fill this place up and we're going to worship like we've never worshiped before. Why? Because we've had this time off. We've learned that we can't take it for granted anymore and how much it's, it's needed and how much we love it. And we're going to come back in hopefully with a different heart and a different attitude because I believe it's one of the lessons that God's teaching us in this moment. But it also says, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. These are the home churches. This is where big things happen in small spaces. It goes on and says, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I believe God is pushing us toward this. He's using this time to teach us what's important. He's teaching us to rethink church. It's not about what happens in this building. It's about what happens at home and, and at work and in our neighborhoods. And he is going to add to the numbers daily those who are being saved if we will commit ourselves to living this out. So in order to live it out, I have a couple of action steps for you today. First one is I want you to pray. I want you to pray like never before. Maybe you live in a neighborhood and you can get out and you can walk up and down your street and you can pray for your neighbors. Or as you're at work, as you go by the offices of the people that you work with, pray for them. I want you to commit yourself to pray. Maybe, maybe you live on uh, acreage and, and your neighbors are all spread out. Get in the car and drive. God still hears your prayer when you're in the car. So drive up and down the road and, and pray for your neighbors. But I want us to commit ourselves to prayer because we believe in the power of prayer. And in that, not only are we praying for them, but God is developing within us a heart 
a broken heart for the lost people that live around us. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to invite. I want you to go out of your way to invite someone to come to your home church next Sunday. Again, as I told you before, we're doing home church next Sunday. We're gonna have a message online with some discussion questions. We want you to come together for fellowship. We want you to share a meal and break bread and take juice together. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. We want you to go through the message to go over the discussion questions, devote yourself to to learning and growing, and then we want you to close in prayer. It's that simple. I hope that many of you saw that last week and and you realized how easy it is and that you can do this. And I want you to invite somebody new next week to come with you, to be a part of that. And I believe in that, that we're going to see some amazing things happen. Here's my prayer. I keep thinking, I keep talking to the other pastors here about our home churches and if they really, really do this. If they devote themselves to these things and they begin to meet and they gather and we start to see God move through his Holy Spirit, just do something that that we can't even imagine. I believe that we're going to have some groups who are going to invite neighbors and friends and maybe family members who don't know Christ and they're going to lead them to Christ. And if that happens, if you're part of one of those groups and you lead somebody to Christ and you're able to coming up on the ninth, baptize them in Jesus Christ, I think you will never be the same. I think God's gonna do something within us that's gonna change us forever. And we're gonna see that in these home groups because when we start to realize that God is using us, that through his Holy Spirit, he is, he's sending us out in the field and he is using us to reach more people for his name's sake, those people that are lost, that he loves, that he died for, I believe that we will never be the same. Would you join us in that next week at Home Church? And then the following week, two weeks from today, what's gonna happen is we're gonna gather in this parking lot. We're gonna have a drive-in service. We're gonna have live worship. We're gonna have baptisms on that Sunday as well. So make sure that you mark your calendar, August 9th, drive-in service and baptism service. We're gonna have such a great time of celebration on that day. So make sure you pray and invite And guys, we will see you for home church next Sunday and then for the drive-in service in two weeks. Guys, we love you. God bless you. I, I can't wait for the day that we can gather together again in this place just to worship God together. But until then, let's go be the church. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for each and every person that's hearing my voice. I praise you that they have tuned in and that they've opened your word and that they've committed themselves to being followers of you, Lord. Not just followers of a a certain religious ritual, but Lord, of you, of following you in a very authentic and real way. I pray that you would lay it upon our hearts how it is that you're working in the middle of this, this whole quarantine. Draw us closer to you, Lord. And even though we're having trouble because we can't see each other, we can't gather together, would you please, through your Holy Spirit, bind us together. Let us know that we're not the only ones that are struggling, that we are together whether it's in one place or through your spirit, we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, that you are still working. Lord, I pray that as we roll up on home church for next Sunday, that you would encourage us every day to pray. Encourage us to pray for our neighbors and our coworkers and our family. And Lord, help us to invite, give us the courage to just reach out to those people around us who might need this community that we enjoy through your spirit that many people desperately desire and need. And Lord, I just pray that in all these things, your name is glorified and that you continue to mold and shape us into the people that look more and more like you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. 
We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless. Thank you.